Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 again, same as last week. If you were here last week, you remember that we saw that apostasy is a real danger. Especially through attempts on our part to discipline ourselves and make ourselves feel better and deaden the pain in our conscience because of sins that we have committed. In other words, that when we put our hope in our own obedience we have become apostate. When we put our hope in our own strength, we have become apostate. Because no longer is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer is the mystery of godliness, as he says at the end of chapter 3, about Jesus Christ. But instead, it is about us. And we saw that there are various ways that people do this. In particular, that there's always a temptation to make the guiding principle in your life what you do or don't eat. What you do or don't eat. And it's funny that in a culture that is less and less religious, that what you do or don't eat becomes more and more important. In other words, it is religious. It is what we're putting our hope in. But even those who claim to be religious, those are who Paul was focusing on, who seek to use rules over the people to cause them to be under themselves in some, in some way that leaves them the ones who are the revealers of holiness, the, the ones who everybody can look to to know how to be saved. And again, when you're talking about what foods you can or can't eat, you know that there's no end to the number of judgments that are going to have to be made. The yes and no list just keeps growing and growing and growing, right? And so now what Paul does is he goes on to explain how we are truly nourished. So just like Jesus says that it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. So Paul is saying that what you put into you can nourish you, but it's, it's what comes into you spiritually, not what comes into you physically that nourishes you in this, in this sense of holiness. And so, <clears throat> we are truly nourished by the words of faith and sound doctrine. This is how we are truly nourished. As opposed to foolish stories, asceticism, any physical discipline, none of those things will nourish us the way that 
Paul declares that the words of truth, that the gospel will nourish us. So let's read this passage again, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 11. And please stand as we read God's word. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Notice how Paul repeats a couple of times the necessity of Timothy instructing people, teaching these things, declaring these things. This is a common theme in the book of Timothy because he's writing to a young pastor. And pastors face particular temptations. And one of the temptations that pastors face is to not say the things that are going to be offensive to people. To not say the things that are going to be useful to people. But to say the things that make everybody feel the most comfort. Right? Certainly that's one of the temptations that I face. And so reading through Timothy, it's strengthening and emboldening to me. It bucks me up, if you will, uh, to have those words constantly repeated. Teach these things. Say it. Tell people. And not only is the obvious implication that it will be good for the people, but he actually, in this passage, says that it will be good for Timothy himself. That Timothy himself will be nourished. We'll return to the question of what those things are that he's supposed to be teaching and why there would be a temptation not to, not to say them in a little while. But first, let's ask a question. What does it mean to discipline yourself for godliness? Because that's what he says. He says, rather discipline yourself for godliness. Verse 7. And then he contrasts that with bodily discipline, verse 8, 
being only of little profit, but godliness being profitable for all things. Why? Well, because it's beneficial, it's profitable, because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The end of verse 8 there. So what does it mean to discipline yourself for godliness? Well, one of the first things that it means is cutting off those things that lead you to sin. Disciplining yourself for godliness. Now, there's all kinds of ways that we like to discipline ourselves. And as I said at the beginning, one of the ways that we try to discipline ourselves is disciplining ourselves in a way that we can put a hope, put our hope in our own goodness in some way. Right? Now, Paul is contrasting two types of self-discipline. Discipline yourself, not so much for physical discipline, but this spiritual discipline, this discipline of godliness. In other words, if we're talking in the context of food and what you should or shouldn't eat, which he's just gotten done saying, this is ridiculous, all of these rules. Look, food is for eating. It's good for you. Be thankful for it and quit worrying about it. Don't make it into some righteousness. Don't make it into some sort of obedience. Don't make it into some sort of good work. Just eat the food. It's from God. Be grateful. And then he says, then he goes into discipline. Now, Physical discipline in our day, we, we think of um, particularly going to the gym and working out, right? I, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that we think of with physical discipline that we put, that we put onto ourselves. You know, have you, have you done your, your workout or your two workouts or your six workouts of the week, right? And what he says is this sort of physical discipline is only of little benefit. Now, it has some benefit. He acknowledges that it has some benefit, but he limits that benefit to what? This life. This life. Now, the contrast, of course, is that disciplining for godliness has benefit both now and in the life to come, right? Now, I want you to, uh, I want you to think about that, that benefit. If, if we're talking about discipline being uh, getting rid of things in your life that are bad for you, okay, and that might be getting rid of extra fat, on you, it might be getting rid of foods that make raise your blood pressure. It might be getting rid of, um, you know, the desserts in the cupboard. Getting rid of sugar. Getting rid of who knows what you want to say. And and you and you come back to me after last week's sermon, and you say, "Well, you do understand that there is an actual." There is an actual scientific basis for, for these things that we're, 
this, this diet that I'm following or this, this rule of uh, what kinds of things I am or am not going to eat, or at least on a regular basis. That there is a physical benefit, that it is good for my body, and that, uh, and that there is this, that therefore you, you shouldn't be so hard on it. I'll say, okay, uh, number one, I want you to I want you to be a little bit uh, questioning of the science of diets in the first place, because they change all the time what's good for you. But let, but setting that to the side, assume for a second that they actually figured out something that was really accurate. Okay, which again is questionable. The vast majority of diet things, there's there's just not a lot. Of knowledge yet. So, but but assume for a second. Okay, yeah, this is actually we, we we've learned something here. This is actually good for you. What I'm 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 perfectly fine saying. Yeah, that's good for you. Yeah, cut down the sugar in your diet. Uh, I, I've done that actually. It's this this decision that I make every single day. I want sugar in my coffee. I like it. I want it in my tea. It's good. And and if I ever go to Starbucks and I order iced tea, they always say, they always ask me. And I'm like, would you just stop asking me and just not put it in? Because then I don't have to every week say, no, and make and fight that. No, I don't want the sugar. Okay. Have I disciplined myself for the purpose of godliness by doing that? No. Yes. Now, some. Now, that's the. I, I have. I have. I have made the argument to to you, especially you men, several times that that discipline starts with the simplest things, right? That if you don't get up and brush your teeth, if if you are undisciplined in the little, minuscule, minor things that don't matter. You will be undisciplined in the big things, right? But do you understand the difference between that and saying that there's something moral about brushing your teeth? You see, it's not this... This is, this is what we always want to do. We want to take that kind of stuff and then we want to set up this checklist, this, this list of rules, like, okay, here's how you raise your kids. You have to make sure that you give them an appropriate bedtime. You have to make sure that you give them, uh, that, that they get up at a certain time. You have to make sure that they have this work and that work, that they, that they do these things. You're, you're going to teach them godliness because cleanliness is next to godliness. You, you see... This is um, the whole, uh, if, if you're familiar with ATI or Bill Gothard, this is, this is the whole structure behind these kinds of programs where you can just be like, okay, here, now we have this list of rules that we're going to follow, and this list of rules is going to guarantee godliness for us. But it won't. What it will guarantee is pride. It will guarantee that you are 
confident in your own godliness, <laughs> confident in your, in your own righteousness, rather than trusting in God. And so I'm, I, this, this thing that Paul does, he separates out physical discipline from disciplining yourself for godliness, and he does not say that there's no benefit to the physical discipline, but he does limit it to this life. And so if I say, here's, here's what's gonna, here's the benefit to me of saying no to sugar in, in the morning when I get, it, the benefit is that in a couple of hours, I have more energy. I don't, I don't crash because I, I just can't handle the sugar. That's the benefit. That's the only benefit. It's right here, right now. That's it. And if you lose a bunch of weight, Here's the benefit. You might live a little bit longer. And that's it. And if you decrease your cholesterol, and if you decrease your blood pressure, or if you increase your, okay, benefits. You want to list them? In the end, the only benefit that you can say is you get to live longer. It's, it's a benefit here and now. You, you can, yeah, you can say I'll have more energy. I'll have, you know, I'll be able to do more work. There, there are all kinds of little benefits. But I mean, ultimately, the ultimate kind of benefit that you're seeking for, if you're talking about physical benefit, is a longer life, a healthier longer life, right? And Paul just says, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess you can get some physical benefit in this life, here and now. But on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For the purpose of godliness. Now, how do you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness? Well, you don't turn around and say, well, the body is the temple of the Lord, and therefore, by me not eating fat, I am making myself godly. Because... I'm going to live longer and be healthier, and that's a good thing, good service to the Lord. Don't kid yourself. You're serving yourself. The life now, the benefit here and now in this life, right? This isn't about serving the Lord. It's about a real, tangible, physical benefit to you right now. Great. But how do you discipline yourself for godliness? It starts not by cutting off sugar, not by cutting off fat, not by cutting off carbs or protein or any of the, not by finding vitamin X so that you can live forever. We'll return to that. It starts by cutting off those things that lead you to sin. Cutting off those things that lead you to sin. Now, gluttony. This is the common, this is the thing that everybody wants to talk about. Gluttony is a sin. And so, um, and it's the unnamed sin, the acceptable sin in our, in our society. Gluttony and uh, and greed are, you know, the the 
the sins that go with the fat capitalist, right? You know, so so you just take the the uh, the insults of greedy fat capitalist, and and it's like, oh, they're greedy and gluttonous. That's the that's what goes with that, right? And so those are theoretically the unnamed, unspoken, un you know the acceptable sins today in America that's filled with fat, greedy. Capitalist pigs. So let's talk about gluttony for a second. Is gluttony a sin? If gluttony is a sin, then is it possible to discipline yourself with regard to food and to have it be cutting off sin? It is, isn't it? Isn't that weird? (laughs) Isn't that weird? Uh, One of the early church fathers I was reading on this talked about uh, dainties, is how it was translated into English. I don't know what, I mean, maybe that's all, maybe it's a perfect translation. I didn't look it up, but I just wondered, you know, like, okay, what in in uh, in 300 AD? What is a dainty that that he was that he was saying? You know, hey, look, we don't eat, we don't give ourselves to 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 gluttony. That was his that was his point in response to this passage. So, is it possible that food connects to sin? Yes, of course, it's possible that that your diet. Is, is part of a sin in your life because you have no self-control, because you are a glutton. For years and years and years, every potluck, I was a glutton. And in particular, I was a glutton for the dessert table. I mean, I would put some, you know, like I'd get a main dish and you sort of walk down the line like, oh, that looks good, a little bit of this. Little. And then... I just get another plate and just fill it with desserts. They're so good. I love the sugar, you know. Was that was that right? No. Because I was because I was being greedy and gluttonous. But you know what? Can you eat sugar? Can, could I get a plate? of dessert and just eat it and, and, and be grateful for it? Yeah, I could, actually. Just because you're eating a whole plate of dessert doesn't mean that you are a glutton. You see what I'm saying? It's just this, it's just this thing that you, you know yourself, you know what is in your heart. You have to be honest with yourself about what's in your heart. And we make such a big deal out of this stuff. That's why I'm talking about it again. I'm just like, we have to reiterate this stuff. (laughs) It just has to be repeated so much. Cutting off those things that lead you to sin might include cutting off some food. That might be part of disciplining yourself 
for godliness. But you know what then? Your goal is not losing weight. Your goal is not anything about this physical body and your, and your uh, longevity or your energy or anything along those lines. It's about godliness. And the moment that I say that, then the ascetics get to come in and say, oh yes, that is why that is why we put strict limits on our sugar intake. That is why we put strict limits on what things we will and won't eat. That is why we put, because we are seeking to discipline ourselves for godliness. And this is what the church fell into right at that time when the guy was writing about dainties. <laughs> they all went whole hog into, well, I guess we'll just keep disciplining ourselves in this physical body for the purpose of godliness. And so they, and so I just got done saying, yes, I guess that there's a way for you to, you know, make decisions about what you are and aren't going to eat and for it to be about godliness. But really, you're not being made righteous by saying no to sugar when they ask you at Starbucks. Or, uh, you know, ordering your, your, 300 calorie drink and then saying no no whipped cream on the top you know like that's how we make ourselves feel good but it's not about righteousness so you can do it, it you can do the idiotic part of like having these gigantic sugary calorie drinks and then saying like no no that sugar whip on top or you can do it the more consistent way the smarter way of like uh, no sugar in my diet at all and you can be an ascetic and go out and live in live in uh, a monastery and out in the desert and nothing good to eat and and uh, and just disciplining your body for the purposes of godliness. But it's not getting you any closer to godliness. There's there's just only so much of a little benefit that you can get from disciplining yourself to get up in the morning and brush your teeth, to saying no to the sugar, to shaving on a regular basis. Like, these things are all good. They're all, they're all uh, the start of, of living a self-disciplined life. But they aren't goods. They aren't, they aren't the good in and of themselves. The good is cutting off those things that lead you to sin. And what we so often do is we want to reward ourselves for all those little sacrifices that we made. Well, I've said no sugar six days in a row, and so now 